0: You've tuned in to another episode of The Zealous Podcast. I'm your host, Rocky Snyder. This week, I've got Brittany Dunn on the show as my guest. She is all about performance nutrition. She was with the Philadelphia Eagles for a little while. Now she's shifted over to Major League Soccer with Real Salt Lake. And she is all about performance nutrition. She's a registered dietitian. She's got her master's in it, in fact. And she's taught me more in oh, this episode than... Uh, than I've learned in quite a while, and I think you're going to find the same thing. So kick back, make some notes, enjoy the show, and be sure to subscribe.
1: I'm very stoked to have you on here because in all truth, you are the first nutritional coach that I have on the show. I mean, I've had athletic trainers and physical therapists, performance coaches, chiropractors, of course, strength coaches the like, but you are my first nutritional coach, and I, I really am excited to talk. On this aspect of of conditioning with professional soccer and and football as well. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'm honored. It's awesome. Well, so tell me, first of all, what inspired this path in your career? And then how did it lead you to Real Salt Lake?
2: Okay, so all started, I was an athlete in high school. Um, I did track and field and basketball, and those were just super fun opportunities for me. And my mom is also a dietitian. She is more on the clinical side, but as I was um, competing in sports, she would help me prep all my meals out. And that's when I kind of like hit me. Okay. I want to be a dietitian too, but I want to do it in, in sports. Like I love sports and like, let's see if I can marry the two. And at the time there wasn't a lot of stuff on the internet that was about sports dietetics specifically. So I kind of knew that I would just go to school um, and focus on dietetics and then kind of find the right path or a path um, to get me into sports specifically.
1: Was she a good cook too? Is she a good cook?
2: Oh, she's a fantastic cook. Absolutely. That's where I
1: got it from for sure. Uh, Very cool. And so I'm I'm curious, was, was there a moment in time when you were in your competitive athleticism? where you noticed a, a difference based on the food that you had in your performance? Were there times where you're going, oh man, I am just hitting the wall. Oh, no wonder because I ate this before or anything like that.
2: Yeah. So I think I had that realization when I was in track and field because it's a whole day experience. So I'm not just having, oh, I'm eating, you know, breakfast and then I go compete and then I'm done. It's more like I'm eating breakfast. I get to the track meet. I wait two hours before my first event. I wait another hour before my second one and so on and so forth. So if I'm just eating breakfast and then going out and waiting until, know a typical lunchtime around noon I'm not like competing well so my stomach would hurt I would feel really tired and it would be typically during the springtime and springtime in California is like summer so it would just be really hot and so I noticed like hydration and food were just becoming things that I had to use as a tool you know properly in in terms of timing um, to really perform at my best and so my mom kind of created, these little meals that would go in Tupperwares and we'd know what time I would eat them or around what time wasn't super strict, but it just was like a good guideline, you know, as far as when I should eat these meals and feeling full, but not too much to where I'm uncomfortable and I can't run.
1: Fantastic. And so how did you select the school to pursue sports dietitians uh, or sports nutrition, I guess it was, would be called. So
2: I honestly just looked for a school that I that had the program that was accredited, and was close enough to home, but a completely different atmosphere. So at that point, I chose to go to the University of Nevada Reno, um, in their dietetics program. Um, and then from there, I was like, okay, you know, I'm I'm learning the foundation of nutrition more in a clinical um, setting, but I can see how the application would then be put into a sports setting. And at the time I started coaching um, high school track and field. So I would be able to help the students there with nutrition information as far as a normal day at school because they're they're students first. And so I wanna make sure that in the classroom they're performing well. And then as far as the athletic standpoint, okay, we're done with our school day. Now we still need energy to, you know, practice. And then on a Saturday track meet, we need kind of set up, set up what our nutrition plan looks like. And that's going to be different for, for each
1: individual. And so after you finished, got your degree and all that, is that when you began done nutrition, your last name is done for the listening (laughs) audience that haven't heard that, but done nutrition is your company. Uh, Is that when you started?
2: No, it it took a while for me to start that. Um, I then went to get my master's degree in nutrition um, at the University of Utah. And then I started working in clinical nutrition just to get a good foundation of what it looks like, because oftentimes we'll find athletes with underlying um, issues that that exceed sports. So I want to just get like address those biological issues before we can address, you know, what that looks like on the field or on the court or wherever. So I worked in clinical in a long-term care facility. And that's really where I started building up my skills in like recipe development and um, dietary director. And then that's where I had this idea. Um, that I got a lot of help from, from family and friends about what have it like, what it looks like to have my own company. And it took a lot of confidence um, boosting for me to, you know, for that to come into fruition. And so it's, it's very new, the business itself, but the idea um, has been in the works for a very
1: long time. And then aside from being an entrepreneur like that, you found yourself with the Philadelphia Eagles not too long ago. How did that come about?
2: That was fun. So after my clinical experience, I did a fellowship with USA Volleyball during their Olympic year and um, got to work with rugby and a couple other sports as well. And then during that is when I was like, okay, um, I feel prepared in the sports. I feel prepared in food preparation, recipe development, and kind of marrying all these skills that I have together and then there was this opportunity for a performance chef with the Philadelphia Eagles and so I put my resume together and I added pictures of all these foods that I had built for other companies and um, in my previous job opportunities and you know I just was like this is something I could do I'm very passionate about food sports and nutrition in a way that it all really combines and I can provide this kind of, you know, one-stop shop for athletes, um, just to really have a full understanding of what their preferences are, their diets are, and then what their positions are so that whatever food that I'm providing for them actually fits that.
1: Okay. So a professional, uh, did you say professional chef? No, what was the title of that? Performance Performance chef. chef. Yes. Performance chef. Now, Does that mean that you were having athletes on the team select you as their chef, as like a private or personal chef? Or were you the one that was uh, everyone there's the buffet when the team comes in and eats at lunchtime and you're setting that up? What what what's a performance chef? What's the role? of that? Yeah. So what it looks like.
2: So there is the team that does the food for all the athletes in general. And for me, I would specifically work with athletes to have um, different eating restrictions or preferences. So whether they, they referred to that as like clean eating, vegan, vegetarian, and then anyone who had any specific goals for their weight. So weight maintenance, weight loss, um, muscle composition, I would create um, diets, counsel them, and then develop the menu and recipes for them. And they would come to me for their food at any time
1: oh my gosh okay so i got so many questions based on what you just said so uh but we'll try one at a time uh so there must have been i imagine some players that were very gluten sensitive to the point of almost celiac did you have those kind of individuals no no No. okay Mm -mm. nothing like that i Um, have
2: one individual who preferred no gluten but um, as far as sensitivity, no issues there.
1: Okay, so then you didn't deal with Hashimoto's either? mm Okay, so that we can knock that off the plate. Then you're dealing with, um, I'm imagining, plant-based diet for those that are preferring not to go with a carnivorous kind of eating plan? Yes. All right, and how many, do, do you see this? I know there's, there's more and more athletes that are taking on the plant-based approach, but did you find that it was very prevalent there or was it only a a minority, only a handful of players? What was that like? It was
2: definitely more a minority. However, everyone on the team was open and willing to ask the the vegan players, you know, what is it about? How do you feel on it? Do you feel different? And that kind of Change their mindset a little bit because those athletes they weren't tired they felt better than they felt when they were eating meat so it didn't push the athletes to become completely vegan but they were like okay I'm open to trying you know that vegetable and sometimes they might may not even know what it was or have had it before um, but that you know ability to try it was there and that was really new for them.
1: Okay. And then you mentioned positions based on, uh, different players, positions, they may have different dietary needs. What, what did that look like? So mostly that looks like
2: the volume. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Mostly volume for sure. Um, as far as like macronutrient, um, ratio pretty similar, um, unless it was an athlete who was trying to gain, um, gain muscle or someone who's trying to lose weight, that's going to look a little, little bit different. But if it was a weight maintenance type thing, um, the main difference you'll see is, is going to be volume now in the yep. vegan meals versus, um, you know, meals with meat on them, they're always going to look different just because the volume of the vegan meal is, is typically going to be greater. Um, but with that, I, because I'm also kind of in charge of what ingredients go inside of it, you know, I can kind of manipulate all the ingredients to where, you know, it doesn't have to be so much food that it's unsatisfying, um, and still kind of just get those little bits of protein through, you know, a protein-based breadcrumb or something like that. And just like adding little bits of things in there, um, to make it fit, you know?
1: Okay. that. I got so many questions for you. I really do. I love the the, the trend toward plant-based eating. Um, I'm not a purist by any stretch, but I definitely think that whole foods are really uh, uh, the main staple of what our diet should be about. But what about anti-inflammatories? We're talking about guys that are getting every Sunday, they are either playing in pain or they'll be in pain on Monday. And there's going to be a lot of inflammation. So what kind of nutritional Mm -hmm. support, you know, we know about turmeric and curcumin, but what other things aside from that, um, would, would you recommend for an anti-inflammatory kind of way of eating? Um, so our go-to, um, is just a lot of
2: fruits. Um, we also have tart cherry juice, which is kind of big in our world um both in the soccer side and the football side Um, it has anti antioxidants and anti-inflammatories and then when we talk about purely just food we want to look at foods with like omegas so you're looking at salmon and then walnuts almonds and other milk uh nuts and then um, other things that we want to think about are like beets any berries whole grains and then um just things like that. So also like olive oil and flaxseed oil versus something like vegetable oil. So just different things like that um, can add those anti-inflammatory properties to meals.
1: So that sounds like a phenomenal smoothie in the making, right? Is that where you get them to- Oh yeah, we can definitely work with that. Yeah. Okay, so if what would be a great anti-inflammatory smoothie recipe that you could throw at us?
2: I think, so one thing I can think about is our breakfast smoothie. Um, Typically it's just bananas um, as the fruit, but another option that we like to do is like a PB and J type situation. So we'll use blueberries or different berries that the athlete prefers um, or cherries. And that kind of gives it that like berry flavor. And then we add nut butter in there as well. And with that, we can add, Um, different things like flax meal, um, any nuts, whole nuts or the nut butter, and then using like the tart cherry juice as the liquid that's in there, and just things of that nature just to make it something
1: super delicious. Oh man, I never heard of a PBJ smoothie. Now you got me drooling. <laughs> so, and then speaking of peanut butter though, I understand that can be on the rancid side when it comes to butter. So do you, do you go for cashew almond? What's the preferred nut that you typically go with?
2: I prefer almond butter because when you thinking about like the, the taste side, when you taste it, it's more like a nutty flavor than it is the flavor of that nut specifically. So when I'm eating peanut butter like we know that this is peanut butter, but when I'm adding it to um you know some protein balls or if I'm adding it to overnight oats, it kind of just creates like a deeper flavor, like a nuttier flavor than it does like just the almond itself or like peanut butter where I'm just tasting the peanut butter over, you know, all the other ingredients that are inside of it. So from a flavor profile and then from the nutrient side as well. Um, Almond butter is accepted pretty well.
1: And when you think about quantity and measuring the quantity of foods, are you doing that by calories or how do you do that?
2: Um, So typically I'll do it by what their position is and then I'll go by macronutrient ratio and that will be determined by their, their goals. And then from there, I just a meal together that fits within there so definitely a lot of math and a lot of planning prior to what they get to see on a plate
1: okay explain that a little bit more for me because i i know what macronutrients are but how does that play into uh the overall plan yeah so we think
2: about when i say macronutrients i'm talking about protein carbohydrates and fat Um, Carbohydrates is basically our number one energy source when we're out there performing. So we wanna make sure that one, their body can you know, have enough energy to play on the field, come back, recover as well. And then also the right types of carbohydrates as well. So if we have 30 minutes and we're gonna step on the field, I'm gonna choose a simple carbohydrate, which could look like fruit snacks, It could look like a piece of fruit. It could look like a rice crispy treat. Um, Really just depends on the athlete's preference. Um, But then if they have two hours before their meal, we can do brown rice or pasta or something um, that will give them that energy that will be maintained throughout, if that makes sense. Um, Then we're gonna go to protein. Because they're athletes, their muscles are always being used. And so to regenerate, um, their protein source and their muscles and have a better, um, a better option for recovery. And we're going to make sure that there's enough protein in their diet. And then when I think of fat, I think of, um, fat soluble nutrients, I think of, um, joints. So I think of every as far as protection. And so I'm making sure that, you know, we're not going to overdo it there, but also enough for their body to function as it should.
1: And when it comes to fats, I, I imagine you're thinking about um, avocado, were a trans fat, uh, no trans fats, but um, omegas. So like you mentioned, salmon. What other sources of fat are you looking at?
2: So looking at anything like in nuts, nuts. or just the cooking method as well. So if I'm marinating meat, if this is an athlete who um, it, the fat content doesn't matter, I'm not too concerned, but if it does, then okay, we're going to use a marinade that has no fat in it and just different options like that. So changing the cooking method to where we're not super concerned about, about the fat content.
1: And as you were the performance chef of the Eagles, how many meals were you cooking like a day? <laughs> um, so I, I would have anywhere
2: from 12 to 15 athletes um, personally. And then I would also make all the vegan meals for anyone who wanted it so that was an additional like six meals or something like that and then we did breakfast lunch and dinner and then the day before games we did snacks as well so that was the fourth meal late at night
1: oh my gosh and there's over 60 guys on the team you had 12 to 15 so there were four or five other performance chefs I imagine no, just one performance chef
2: and then everyone else um, did like the main, uh, main. Food. Ah,
1: okay. So you were more or less the executive chef and, and then you no, have. not no? by any
2: means. <laughs> I was definitely under, but I did have a lot of freedom and creativity for kind of my area and what I got to do for sure.
1: Well, how did they select those players because they needed to gain weight or lose weight or they mm-hmm. had certain restrictions? Those are the so ones yeah, that some players
2: here. are specifically selected um, because they need to, you know, reach a specific goal and then others either are feeling some type of way. So they might have like a stomach issue or they might already come in with, you know, food restrictions and preferences or allergies are super big. Um, then I would go ahead and take, take on those athletes as well.
1: Uh, And then you had the little prima donnas crybabies. They were like, well, wait, how come he's got a chef? I want a chef. They did question. And then they're like, oh,
2: healthy food. Oh, vegan. Uh, I'll be all right with the
1: food over (laughs) here. For sure. That's actually a great thing. Because I'm thinking about like North Dallas 40, which is a movie that was made well before you were born back in the 70s, Nick Nolte and Mac Davis and all that. And those guys, of course, through the 80s too, I'm thinking Jim McMahon and the Bears, they were all partiers. And and nutrition and performance, they weren't married together. It's only like, I would say, honestly, maybe somewhere in the last 20 years, even less than that, that we're really looking at how nutrition interplays with performance. First, do all NFL teams have performance chefs? Um,
2: I'm not sure if they have performance chefs specifically, but we're definitely at the point where they all have dietitians, at least one.
1: Okay. And so there's a good question right there that I, I never know how to answer this, but the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian, um, obviously there's a difference in schooling A nutritionists. Mm-hmm. You can go overnight and take a correspondence co- course and you're certified, whereas a dietitian is actually years in the making, but what, what in terms of roles, what does the nutritionist do that differs from the dietitian, and vice versa?
2: Um, So it's more about what they're allowed to do just because of the accreditation. Uh So because they know, because we had to go to a, a dietitian has to go to an accredited program, the program was vetted prior to, and it meets the standards. And then we take a test to say, okay, I am now an RD, and then we have to get licensed or certified in the state that we live in. Um, And so that gives us more um, of an ability to work in like a clinical setting, whereas nutritionists technically are not allowed to give specific dietetic information or specific nutrition uh, education for individuals, especially related to like a biological issue. Um, whereas dietitians are allowed to do so.
1: I see. And how many years did it take for you to get your, your degree, your master's and so on as dietitian?
2: Um, altogether six years, but it can take four years if you just get your um, bachelor's degree and become a dietitian, but um, everything is changing as of either this year or next year where you're gonna have to have your master's degree.
1: Oh, so it's good that you're a type A go-getter yeah. from the start, huh? Yeah. Already done. <laughs> okay, so let's let's kind of move the, the, the chains forward a little bit. You left the Eagles at the beginning of this year and you went back to Utah where you got your masters. Was there a connection at the university with Real Salt Lake? How how did you land with the MLS? So I knew
2: when I went when I went to Philadelphia. For me, I was like, oh wow, super amazing experience, but I'm away from all the people and all the environments that I know and understand. And that was like the biggest shock for me. And so I knew I just had to get back to the West Coast. And because I had just come from Utah, I still have friends out here and I still have you know a group of people that I can relate to. I was looking for either Utah or California and I think just the position as their performance dietitian was something that really appealed to me. And I knew the previous dietitian who I actually went to school with. And so I called her and kind of asked her about the position, um, what was it like and things like that. And from then I decided to apply and, and go from there. And gratefully, I, you know, I got the job. So I'm I'm super excited about it. I think it's a amazing program. Um, The athletes are fantastic and they give me a lot of kind of freedom to develop what I want the nutrition program to look like, you know, now and kind of how I envision it in the future.
1: Well, and the makeup of that team is quite different than the land of the Philly cheesesteak, right? Uh. You've got all all those boys are are like corn fed um, Central Plains, (laughs) Nebraska Cornhuskers or whatever. And then you go and you go to a team. That is quite multicultural and international. Oh, for so, sure. What's that like? Because and it, there's yeah. children, <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> yeah, they're like, <laughs> right? They're
2: like seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, I mean, we've had I've had one is you know like high schoolers, you know, sixteen. Um, so it's definitely this crazy thing of okay, yes, I've done child nutrition in the past, but it I didn't put two and two together that I'll be working with you know high school students as well. But I find it to be so fun because, you know, compared to football, a lot of those guys didn't get that kind of information in high school. So to be a part of that for these young kids is just, it's fun and an, like an exciting experience. And, you know, some of them have never cooked their own meal before or gone to the grocery store. So I find myself thinking of all these ways that I can work with these individuals to kind of get them a head start in what their nutrition plan looks like for now and for the future.
1: So you're dealing with academy players and development players mm-hmm. and not just yeah. the, the starting, the starters. Yeah. Whoa. So how many athletes is that?
2: Let's see. So about 25 consistently on the first team and then on the monarchs up to 18 and then the academy there's about 30 guys that some that will come in and out that i get to work with individually or if i do team talks they you know get thrown all into the video room and you know it's like an open discussion but it's super cool that i get to answer their questions you know
1: all right what was the last talk you just gave
2: the last talk i gave was about tournament nutrition So these guys are playing two times a day over, you know, four day period. So what that looks like is going to be much different if they just played one game and, you know, went home and went to bed. And so like that nutrient timing was a huge thing. You know, we have an hour between our games. Yes, we still want to consume something, but not so much that our stomach will be icky and we don't want to continue playing. But enough so that you know we can keep playing, and that might look like food, but it might also look like you know an electrolyte solution um, that has glucose in it, so that that's where we're getting both of our energy and
1: our hydration. Very cool. So you're you're a teacher as well, obviously. Oh, absolutely. Ah, okay. Other big differences between NFL and MLS, or or between Salt Lake and and Philly.
2: Um, volume of food and and
1: type
2: <laughs> and type of food, you know, as a preference.
1: Okay, so, so I am imagining volume, especially I'm thinking the, the Eagles linemen. You know, you just, you need to get a forklift every time they sit down at the mean, table, right? The yeah, amount but, of
2: to-go containers that we went through was insane. <laughs> oh
1: my gosh, but with MLS players, these guys have to be quick, they have to have endurance, they have to last 90 minutes or more. Mm-hmm. And if you're talking two matches, I mean, that's and, and I forget what it is, if it's six or seven miles on a pitch during a game, I forget what the distance is covered for an MLS player, but we're talking significant amount of calorie expenditure, but you don't want something so heavy that it's going to slow them down. So what, what kind of go-to foods that are different with MLS than NFL? Um, so
2: a lot of the athletes are kind of in tune with what they like, especially on a game day. Um, so we have basically the same types of food on a game day, every single game. So we don't mess up either stomachs or like mentally as well. So we make sure that's the same, but it, the game day stuff looks pretty similar other than the stuff that doesn't, which is like the ribs and the hot wings and stuff like that, that has never appeared you know, in my experience on the MLS side. <laughs> and I think the guys would be somewhat confused if, if they found that in their like pre-game meal.
1: And so what about international cuisine? What kind of things are they bringing over from Italy, from England, from wherever? So at Real specifically, it's a lot
2: of Hispanic food, uh-huh. um, breakfast and lunch. So, you know, we always have beans for breakfast with jalapenos and salsa as an option. Um, But then we, I I wanna say like three to four times a week we have, you know, Hispanic food or just some kind of Latin South American food. Um, Other than that, we do have a bit of Asian food, a bit of um, Middle Eastern food, but nothing too specific to um, any other athletes, mostly because it has to be something that's well received by everybody, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. Now, of course, you and I both living in California, at least you're growing up here. We're no, we're no stranger to Hispanic food, right? No, and in I fact, know. I, I got to <laughs> have it. But I'm thinking about the macronutrients. And there's always like this, this juggling of how much percentage of carbs versus protein and fats. Well, with the Hispanic food, it seems like it's obviously very heavy in the carbs, which could be good for, for energy, right? But then, then it almost feels like there's a higher level of fat than there is protein. Would would is that right?
2: I think traditionally yes, and I think that's because the way it tends to be cooked. But definitely having like a relationship between the dietitian and the kitchen staff really helps kind of bring in. Okay, we want these flavors. We want these textures. We want this okay, how are we going to make that appropriate for what the athlete's nutritional needs are? So kind of being in like this team setting, okay, we're all here for the athletes. They want this and they need this. Now, how can we marry those two ideas together to where they're getting what they need, but also through the flavors and the familiarity of the foods that that
1: they need? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm interested in. It's like, okay, do you feel like there needs to be a higher protein level and Less fat or the types of fats. We're not going to use Mama Cita's bucket of lard, right? We're going to use some kind of uh, um, olive oil or whatever type Avocado of oil. oil Avocado like that. oil. Yeah. That's what we're talking about.
2: Yes, absolutely. So definitely the method of cooking is where we see those changes. And then um, like getting the flavors through marinating, getting the flavors through instead of just boiling the rice in plain water we can do either a broth, like a vegetable broth or something like that. So you're starting to get those flavors in without getting like extra fat in, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And then we're going to go with refried black beans rather than refried pinto beans yeah, and so brown they, rice rather yep. than white rice, that type mm-hmm. of stuff. Yep.
2: And we just make all those options available for the athletes. So it's and it's, and it's not just providing the food, But it's also providing the education that goes along with it. Because then you have people asking, okay, you know, this food isn't good for me because I'm used to seeing it cook like this. Okay, here's how we kind of changed it up a little bit so that we can make it fit for what your energy needs are now. And so that education piece definitely has to go along
1: with things like that. Do you get a lot of pushback?
2: No, I think... In the food area, it's a bit different because either way, you're always providing something that someone wants. Mm-hmm. Um, how you provide it is important. But um, I think because I'm really big on you know, athlete education, because I want them to understand what I'm doing now and what we're doing now so that they can take that wherever they go. Um, so if I'm able to put that in a way that they understand it and explain to them why we're doing something, why it looks different or are we're using a different ingredient, they're kind of able to jump on board a lot easier than they would have just saying, oh, that's just the way it is because it's better for you, you know? And you don't always have to jump to like the most healthiest ingredient. So we don't have to go from, you know, white rice to quinoa. You know, there's an in-between, there's a middle ground that we can meet and just providing that education as to, you know, what portion sizes look like and things like that, we can really, you know, be on the same page.
1: Do you ever have players that bring in, like I said, Mamacita, but I am kind of serious, like mama's recipes from, from the homeland and say, Hey, can you make this for me? And then you go, yeah, I can make that. But how about we try just tweaking this or that and and see if we can't come up with something that is going to really benefit you on the pitch. So we haven't
2: encountered, or I haven't encountered that with the MLS, but in the NFL, what we did was like player of the week and, you know, once a week we would take a player's favorite meal and sometimes they would give us their, you know, grandma's recipe or something like that. And we do not alter it at all. Um, I'm, mostly I'm envisioning
1: state fair food, like yeah, some kind of waffle nothing. cone with crap on it.
2: Yeah, we've never, never made any of that in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> but what they eat on the outside of the facility is all up to them, so.
1: Okay, well, that brings up something else, like self-sabotage, right? Self-sabotaging your, your performance with going outside of those nutritional guidelines. Um, obviously, there's buy-in, there's education and understanding. Do you see that there's less of that? Or because there are these parameters on their eating, that that propels them to just break away and go wild outside the, uh, of the stadium?
2: Um, I still see individuals eating whatever, you know, whatever they want, um, depends on the the person to be honest, but if they come in and they tell me as if it was something, you know, so detrimental that it's just going to mess everything up, you know, that's when I find that there's a problem because what you eat that one day, isn't going to ruin your entire career. Right. So I'm like, okay, you're not derailed. Like it isn't over. Um, let's look at it as far as like what nutrients that provided you and what was going through your head while you were eating it right was i just eating it because i wanted it because i was in a party atmosphere because i felt down okay we'll address those you know as well and then we'll also address okay you know was it as many calories as you really think it was or because it was your day off and you only ate that meal is it still similar to the amount of calories that you ate And I still want you to enjoy food, but I don't want you to feel all this pressure not to eat what you want. And maybe this time, you know, we understand that maybe something was wrong and the choices were different. And here's how we can still incorporate it in the future. Um, Just be like, make a plan and be more cognizant of it. And then from there throughout the week, because I am cooking their food and I know what happened before, you know, we can make little tweaks and adjustments to make sure they're not you know, falling behind or um, getting too far off of their goals.
1: Gotcha. Okay, when I think of food in different regions of the country, there's always something that pops up. Like Florida might be a Cubano sandwich, Philly's cheese steak. Of course, we've got uh, tacos and sushi in, in California. But when I think of Utah, nothing comes to mind. <laughs> What the heck's that? Is there any kind of food that relates to, like, Um, oh, it's the Salt Salt Lake City croissant? I I can't think of any. You know, I wouldn't call it food, but (laughs) (laughs) the things
2: that arise from Utah are fry sauce, which is just, you know, a blend of mayo and ketchup, um, which, you know, I actually really enjoy. But, oh,
1: fry sauce, like for French fries, you dip yes. it. Yes,
2: I got you. And so that is sold by the bottles. And <laughs> then apparently, what is called funeral potatoes, which sounds really sad to me, but it's really just a combination of potatoes and cheese that people eat on all occasions other than funerals. <laughs> so that <laughs> and probably jello. So, no, I would not say it's a cuisine. I would just say there's a, it's a bunch of stuff that. Uh,
1: okay. I don't see those being on your buffet list oh, no. anytime soon. Oh, no, no. never. None of that, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, what about your, I'm always interested in how to support players coming back to the pitch after injury. And I know that you have regular meetings, just like other teams, where all of the staff members coming together and just meeting and, and collaborating. So when it comes time for the athletic trainer, the physical therapist, to help get some midfielder back on the pitch after an ACL tear or a high hamstring pull inversion or even concussion protocol or whatever, How, what role do you play in with that?
2: So I have kind of de- developed protocols just for different injuries, whether you know, you know joint, muscle, um, head injury, and I've got a lot of help from other dietitians kind of to put this together and kind of refined it for the MLS athletes. And so I work with the athletic training group, the strength and conditioning, um, to understand the severity of the injury and so what that starting point looks like, and then the length of recovery. And then if that athlete is gonna have a surgery, you know what that looks like as well, because you know, needs are gonna change. So using kind of the protocols that I have in conjunction with um, the information from the athletic training staff, and we kind of just go over, you know, what that transition period is, is gonna
1: look like for those athletes. Very cool. Okay, uh, that's it, that's piqued my interest, especially let's let's call a uh, post-concussion syndrome protocol. They're, they're just uh, trying to get back. Uh, we know the brain needs fuel activation, in the form of sugar, oxygen, and just stimulation, um, so sugars. I, I I'm just thinking ginkgo biloba and blueberries, but uh, maybe there's some other stuff. What kind of what kind of elements? What kind of foods would help to recover from concussion? Yeah. So anything
2: high in you know antioxidants and anti-inflammatories, um, just because you have that, you know, inflame inflammation from the, the concussion, but also, you know, we're looking at supplementing with multivitamins. A lot of times the athletes that I've worked with don't feel like eating um, after a very bad one. So we're often going to lo- look at um, multivitamins added in there. um heavy on the omegas um, just for that brain function. And then there has been some research for creatine as a supplement um, for brain injury. So we look at that as well, and then continuing still thinking about, you know, them being an athlete. still we're still going to look at a little bit of a higher protein for both recovery and then also, you know, maintenance, um, depending on how long they're going to be out. And so typically I'll look for a protein supplement that has, um, added micronutrients in it as well.
1: Okay. And then what about soft tissue damage for whether it be uh inversion sprains, high hamstring pulls or anything like that?
2: Yeah. So still looking at any of the anti-inflammatories we're looking at collagen now, um, and still omegas as well as that helps with the, the joints. And so kind of just this full nutrition approach and then just like looking at what are they eating on a daily basis? Right. Because some people, when they get you know, injured or they get sick, it's just like eating for comfort. So I I try to just make sure, okay, are we only eating for comfort? Are we considering that we're still an athlete and what their goals are and kind of just helping them, you know, mentally process things as well because food is, you know, such a big factor, you know, with or without being an athlete or just, you know, in any situation. So I wanna make sure it's doing what it needs to do for them in recovery as an athlete, but also just as a regular, you know, human being. So looking at what they're eating and then being able to supplement through like smoothies and things like that to where smoothies still taste good and they're fun to to eat and drink, but I can also make them so nutrient dense um, to where they're still getting everything that they need and not having to worry about missing out.
1: All right, I got one last question here. You've yeah. just been throwing so much great info at me. I love it. Um, your work day, like when do you, because it sounds like a heck of a work day. It sounds like you're there making breakfast early before anybody gets there and you've got three meals plus snack day on the game, the day before games and so on. Like what's, what your hours look like? Um, so with the NFL,
2: it was 5.30 to six in the morning um, and then all the way till, or 1030 at night. And then here it looks a lot different because we only do breakfast and lunch. So it's more like 7:30 to 230, um, depending on what the athletes need. If if anything, it will go longer or start a little earlier, but
1: nothing crazy. That that sounds a little bit more palatable for sure. Okay. And, uh, with done nutrition, that's still operating right now, right? You're you're doing those. So, and you can have athletes from all over, uh, utilize your services and guidance.
2: Yes. So what I do is, um, kind of a different, kind of different things. So I do nutrition counseling and that can be for, you know, anyone, if it's just someone who just goes to work and goes home or for an athlete or for a weekend warrior, anything from there, Um, but definitely specialize in sports nutrition specifically. And then for people around Utah, what I offer is um, meal plan and meal prep options. So I'll either go through food with them. um, I can do a grocery store tour with them. I can go revamp their kitchen, their refrigerator, and kind of just help them get a better understanding of what food looks like for them to fit their specific lifestyle. And I can help them either create that food for themselves or they can order already prepared meals that I will just have delivered to them or that they can pick up from a certain location.
1: Oh, that's excellent. So if there's listeners in the audience that want to hire your services, what's the best way to go about it? How can they find out more? Yeah, so they can
2: go to Instagram at DunNutrition or at Brittany D underscore RD. Um, and then those are the two best ways that I have right now to get in contact. And soon enough, we will have the website up and going and be able to kind of support everybody through there and have a much better flow of, of communication
1: for sure uh super well i I'll definitely have some athletes of mine probably giving you a call in not time and in the not distant future so uh brittany this has been great i I really appreciate your time coming on and I love your expertise and the insight and information you've shared between the n f l and major league soccer i mean that's yeah you're you're on a good tour right there anywhere you want to go next not that you're i mean you're just settled in so Maybe, if number one Lake. Like, there you go you're always
2: here. my goal was the n b a High school me knows that I want to work for the NBA. So.
1: All right. right. Okay. So that means the Sacramento Kings.
2: No, it would be the Lakers.
1: As the number uh, why you have to go there? <laughs> that's where I'm from. We were getting along so well. <laughs> so well, I grew up in New England, so you know, <laughs> I don't really like the Eagles, and the Lakers are even lower on the... No, My dad kidding.
2: would want it to be the Warriors, so that would work, too, but definitely, um, yeah. That's a
1: sore point right now, too. Sorry, Dad.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry I couldn't please you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And that's a wrap for this episode of the Zealous Podcast. I want to thank Brittany Dunn for coming on. Check out Dunn Nutrition, also what she's doing with the MLS in Salt Lake and all the things she has to offer. If you're an athlete or you're perhaps you're a coach, but you would like someone to help your athletes reach that next level when it comes to proper fueling, she's the one to see. Until next time, be sure to subscribe. We're here every Monday, 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern. We'll see you next week.